0: Good morning, witches. This is the Witch Daily Show with host Tanya Brown. We are coming to you from New Orleans, Louisiana to offer you a little pop of bite-sized magic. Our 20-minute-ish episodes provide daily news, book releases, witch fails, and more. Sit back, relax, and enjoy.
1: special Segment today, we're talking with content creator, author, and lawyer Bennett Bell Wynn. Bell Wynne is the author of Holistic Tarot and the Tao of Craft. So we will be talking with her today about her unique blend of craft. Uh, so for anyone new to this podcast, we are a 20-minute-ish podcast. So our interviews do go a little differently. Um, I will give Benabelle the opportunity to answer two full questions and then a few rapid-fire questions—the goodness of a full interview, but just maybe just a little bit more fun. So, hi, how are you today?
2: Hi, Tanya. How are you?
1: I'm good. Thank you so much for coming on and talking with us. Oh, it is my pleasure. It was actually one of our listeners um, who requested that we interview you, so.
2: Oh, hi listener, and thank you so much. I'm very, very honored.
1: Super fun. Um, so I checked out your website, and can I say, for websites nowadays, I feel like the craft of a like fully adapt website has just gone to the wayside. Uh, you have a really uh, a really useful website. You have like excerpts, and you have like kind of these little courses people can download and check out. Um, So it was really fun, kind of like poking around and, you know, like looking at everything. Uh, But one thing I did notice is on your bio, you make a very clear distinction that you are religious, but not spiritual. Uh, Can you give us a little bit more insight to that and your personal path?
2: Well, I think when people say spiritual, my understanding of that has always been: you're trying to transcend. You know, you're trying to um, leave more of the aspects of the physical body and try to embody more of the aspect of spirit. And for me, I really enjoy my humanity, and that includes its flaws. You know, the ways that I'm kind of an asshole, the ways that I don't, I'm not always the bigger person, and I feel like that actually helps with my compassion. When I'm not always the bigger person, In con- like that polarity is what allows me to be deeply compassionate and deeply understanding of other people when I can literally be that kind of person as well. So I would never, ever want to give up my humanity. So I don't see my goal in life as transcending my humanity in any way. So I don't see myself as spiritual. But religious, I say I'm definitely religious because... I believe in spirits, I believe in gods, I practice rituals that very decidedly venerate something that isn't of this world, right? And it requires a leap of faith as well. So for me, that that would be religion.
1: I'll like catch myself, you know, not being the bigger person, being an asshole, being petty. And then I like, I get so hard on myself for it. And I'm, I it, like, you know, am I not trying to Be this or be that and so when I catch myself being less than I guess quote unquote perfect I beat myself up over it and it it can't be healthy so I really like how you talk about how maybe we shouldn't try to lose all of our humanity.
2: Yeah, I think self-flagellation just makes things worse. And I think that actually subconsciously causes you to be more of a quote-unquote lesser person in future situations. So I think sitting with our flaws does help. I'm not saying it's okay to always be the lesser <laughs> person. I'm not like always trying to be an asshole. But I think I'm okay with sitting in the moment and saying, okay, well, what caused me to act that way? And, and not, like you said, not beat myself up over it.
1: Uh, one thing I've noticed is uh, you seem to really um, love astrology. Uh, so why does astrology speak to you so heavily?
2: Well, I think for one, it reminds me of the quadrivium, the um, four classical liberal arts. You have, well, it was like astrology, num- well, astronomy and then astrology, right? Numbers, sacred geometry, geometry, and music, uh, the you know, the universal music or the music of the spheres. And so I think to me, to understand the world there is an aspect of having to understand the skies and the firmament above us. And so I always feel like astrology is my way of understanding the influence, the unseen influences around us.
1: So this one's just kind of fun. But if you had to pick only one and what would you consider most important? And I know like we want to not do that, but it's it's all for games. Uh, what is most important, your sun, your moon or your rising or ascendant? I kind of get those confused.
2: Uh, people, some people say rising signs, some people say ascend, and it's kind of synonymous. Uh, okay, it's a little controversial. <laughs> I'm going to say sun sign here's uh, uh before all the astrologers get mad at me here's why I say sun sign it's sun sign because in society we've almost gotten brainwashed into believing the sun sign is all of us so it's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy by and large people only know what their sun sign is they keep re- reading about the personality traits related to that they attach to it and it almost becomes a self-fulfilling like I said self-fulfilling prophecy so we act out our sun sign we blame everything on our sun sign so in a way, we've almost come to embody the sun sign. As a result of that societal training, it has become the most accurate reflection of us because of what we've done to ourselves. I think most most astrologers, if pushed to choose one of them, it would probably be the rising sign. But, you know, like like you pointed out, you have to have a lot of caveats. It depends on all these other factors. But if I had to choose one, rising sign in terms of theory, sun sign in terms of what we've actually done to ourselves.
1: Now, that is definitely true. I think I saw a meme floating around Facebook and it has stuck with me for so long because it's just really funny. But it basically says, I don't care if you're a Virgo Karen, you're being a bitch. (laughs) And it's like, but I agree. Like we, that is the one that we all kind of know right away. So we all kind of label ourselves right away. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, because I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, I always say, I know enough astrology to sound really impressive to lay people, but I know nothing in comparative to like people who actually know. Uh, So could you just give us like a very quick rundown of the difference between sun, moon and rising?
2: Sun sign is um, what astrological sign the sun was in on the day or actually month, month month-ish of your birth, right? And so because of that, anybody within a pretty much 28 to 30 day ballpark of when you were born share the same sun sign. Um, Which astrological house it was in at the time is going to also, that's going to be going back to your hour of birth, is going to be more specific. But sun sign is where the sun was at the moment of your birth in terms of the 12 zodiac signs. Moon sign would be where the moon was on the uh, day of your birth. That's going to be one to two days. So people within a one to two day window of your birthday will share the same moon sign as you. Ascendant is your hour of birth based on the geocentric Point that you were born at so based on the location of birth um, exactly where what was the sign at the moment the sun was rising at the uh, eastern horizon is your ascendant sign. Um,
1: I've heard people say that uh, your sun is also kind of uh, in terms of like you know your sign your sun is who you present as your moon is your emotion is that is that true do you think or is that accurate?
2: Yeah, I mean, that's a very general way of putting it. The sun is your external self, your ego, so it's what you present. And then the moon is your internal self, your inner psyche, um, your connection to the emotional and intuitive creative planes. And then the ascendant is what you um, rise to become. It is sort of what you rise to embody, what you grow into. Oh,
1: okay. And I I definitely think that's going to help a lot of our listeners (laughs) because
2: we always get little,
1: uh, you know, astrology questions. And especially with these, uh, because I don't really – I'm not too adept with it. That's very helpful. Um, In one of your books, I think it was uh, The Tao of Craft, you talk about uh, the yin and yang symbol um, or, you know, the binary between them.
2: Has the pop culture idea of it gotten it all wrong? I don't think – People get it wrong. So the pop culture, idea I don't think it's wrong because I do trust in people's intuition. And we read about a theory or a concept. Intuitively, we fill it in with what we believe it means. I don't think that's wrong. So I wouldn't say it's wrong. I think the only thing that I would ever want to clarify, because it does get dangerous, is the idea that yin is female, yang is male. So that's the only thing I would want to insert my opinion and correct only because it does cause issues for other people. You know, I mean, it does have more detrimental effects than neutral or positive. So that's something Mm. I do want to correct. Um, Yin and Yang is about it. It is only male and female to the extent of like energy, right? The Yin and Yang is always about energy, not physical presentation, and so we all have both yin and yang within us it has society become such that we condition most people who you know look like me to be more yin and people who you know present masculine to be more yang yes that's true that's something that happens but we do have to be careful that it isn't like you know assigned in that very specific way
1: One thing we're trying to do on this podcast is uh, we're trying to stop using the terms uh, like masculine and feminine in terms of energy and Mm -hmm. instead use solar and lunar, Um, mostly because when I was in school, um, I went to school for psychology. Even within that field, we were starting to not use those terms Mm -hmm. um, and instead use solar and lunar. Uh, So would you say that um, the yin is maybe more of the lunar energy and the yang is more solar?
2: Yeah, for sure.
1: Oh, wonderful. It's so funny because I actually had never really uh, thought about the yin and yang as female male. Um oh, for you. Good I for think, you. We'll, well, yeah, well, to be fair, like, all I knew of it was from the 90s, uh-huh. which was very about, like, uh, the light and the dark and, you know, the 90s was yeah, yeah. quite a time. Um, so on your website, you talk about uh, how you practice holistic tarot. Um, how is that different? So, if I were to like come to you or someone and get a holistic tarot reading, how would that differ from what maybe a more common tarot reading would look like? I don't think
2: there's no, there's no difference at all. I think holistic tarot is just the title of a book because a book oh, okay. a title, <laughs> needed a title. Um, I think maybe the way I, my style of teaching tarot is more about you know showing you the different parts of the whole. And deconstructing what a tarot reading would look like, and then being able to build it back up into something that is comprised of, you know, uh, astrology, numerology, um, understanding color symbolism, um, understanding esoteric symbolism, and understanding how you connect to it intuitively, how you connect to it personally. So holistic tarot would just be sort of figuring out how to bring all of that together and, and to the table and distill it into a tarot reading. But I don't think it's any different from what anybody else does at the reading table.
1: Um, because you are a tarot person,
2: um, true or false, a deck must be gifted. Um, I think you have to use your logic. And when you apply <laughs> logical reasoning, that aphorism doesn't stand up. It doesn't make a lot of sense. So one of the things I've heard, and I have no idea if this is even true, but I hear it from elders in the community, is that once upon a time, it was illegal to buy tarot decks. And so it was almost like, buying drugs if so it was this idea of if you're gifted you can't get in trouble if you go out searching for and you buy it then you i don't know how true that is that's just one of those like weird folksy myths that get passed down from generation to generation i have no idea if that's even true but like legitimately that is something that gets passed down in terms of oral history right the lore. So if that's true, that's the only thing that would make sense that it has to be gifted, right? Like that's the only way it would make sense, which no longer applies in 2019. So if you're still doing that, I mean, I think it's true only if you give power to that belief, Mm -hmm. right? But if you use your logic and you should never let go of logical reasoning, it just doesn't hold up to muster.
1: Yeah, that's our favorite question to ask. Because it has kind of become one of those things and every time we have a reader on we ask because uh, I feel like so – it always felt like that very sleepover hierarchy myth of like someone came to a sleepover with a deck of cards and was getting like all the attention for it and then maybe someone else wanted wanted to play with the cards and they were like, no, you can't buy cards, only I can have cards. Like it felt that very like – teenage mean girl like rule that was just made up so uh that's our favorite question that's hilarious i bet you that's
2: a more true history
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's just so true to human nature <laughs> exactly you know um so you wrote the book uh the Tao of craft and you talk about uh, esoteric uh um Taoism. can you what is that can you kind of uh explain to us what all that means
2: i think exoteric Taoism, E-X-O, that would be philosophical Taoism. The concepts there would be about how to understanding nature, understanding the energies and principles of nature, and then how to align harmoniously with nature, how to integrate your energy body into the world around you and have harmony and balance. Esoteric Taoism is more in line with uh, forms of Taoist sorcery and magic. It's about understanding nature and learning how to control nature, how to use nature's energies and principles as a form of technology. And so the two are like the yin and yang, the yin yang, where they are in contrast. They are, there's a tension between them. There's a natural built-in tension between esoteric and exoteric Taoism. But Taoism is both, and you require both to have that ultimate harmony.
1: So if someone um, listening right now really liked the idea of maybe um learning more and uh learning to work with um the dao uh of course, your book, The Tao of Craft, would probably be, would probably be a really good place to start. And you also have information on your website, which is uh, would be good for someone to start. Uh, but is there anything else you think that would be useful for someone who maybe wants to get better in tune with nature, and then maybe does want to do the esoteric, where the where they can then use it for like magical purposes? Um, where can someone start to do that?
2: So I have a five-part video series on my YouTube channel that is The Introduction to Taoist Magic. Um, that's a really good one because one video focuses on the logistics the principles another one is on the entire history of Taoism and Taoist magic in China so that's a great place to start watching that five-part series will really give you a strong fundamentals in it and then I have um, a video and like a, a write-up on how to um, basically how to cultivate Qi energy in your in, in yourself so you have more power and more force when it comes to ritual magic and being able to sort of manifest and again gets into uh, meditation, diet, thinking about your body constitution. And when I say diet, what I mean, I don't mean taking vitamin supplements, but I mean understanding, you know, what kind of foods are going to eat, what kind of foods to eat more of, what kind of foods to eat less of, because that's going to help you um, strengthen the parts of you that are going to help with magic and weaken the parts that, you know, kind of always obstruct your magic. So reading that article to get a sense of how to cultivate chi energy in your in yourself is going to give you the fundamentals to really be able to exercise that with magic.
1: So we'll definitely uh, make sure to put a, um, a link to your YouTube channel in this episode description. So anyone who's maybe interested can go watch that series because that sounds really cool. And now I really want to go check it out um so we so we jumped around quite a bit uh because you are someone who seems to like really not do it all but you do a lot so you have astrology and tarot and then um the so is there anything that maybe you want to uh talk about that we missed or maybe um, elaborate on
2: something that we kind of glossed over uh, no, you covered a lot of ground. And I think they're all related at the end. I think that's why I have close interest. I try to deep dive into one subject and only realize to fully understand that subject. There's all these other tangential subjects in the esoterica that you have to understand, or at least have some kind of context for, right? So even though it does seem all over the place, I feel like at the end of the day, for me, it's about trying to find that universal religion, the core truth. And that does kind of require venturing into a lot of territory. I mean, I
1: completely agree. I think one question we get um, often and not just on the podcast, but just in the years of uh, me doing what I do is people ask, well, we you know, where do you start? in the whole gram and all of it, where do you start? And, um, I always say, read a little bit about everything because even, well, one, you may not know what you like until you read about it. So something you thought, Oh, well that wouldn't be for me. You may read like one chapter and be like, Oh, like I really love that. And then if it's something you hate and throw away, at least you have some base of knowledge about that subject for maybe later. Um, so I completely agree while it you know astrology tarot uh all the things that we may do divination or um paths or magic i do think that you need to know at least a hair about everything to have a fully formed kind of uh, foundation for yourself in terms of magic Just like Um, a
2: scientist, like even if you special, if you're a chemist or if you're a physicist, no matter what you specialize in, that's going to be what you know the most of. But every scientist knows a little bit about all of the other branches of science, you know, and so it's part of the same rigor that a witch would need to have as well. You need to know a little bit, enough to sort of hold a conversation in every subject. So when it comes up in your own subject, you have something to say or you kind of, you're more informed. I definitely think that's an important part of the witch's education.
1: Oh, I love that. Um, So you did say you have a YouTube channel uh, and we talked about your website a little bit, but where can people find you on the big old internet?
2: Um, I am on my website, benabellwen.com, and also Instagram is probably where I, you know, spend most of my online time, and that's at bellwen, B-E-L-L-W-E-N.
1: Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for coming on and talking with us.
2: My pleasure. Thank you for having me.
1: Thank you for tuning in this morning. If you would like to see the full interview... Um, head on over to the Witch Daily Show Patreon at www.patreon.com slash witch daily
0: show. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. If you have any questions, which fails, want to learn about advertising, or know of news we missed, please email us at the witch daily podcast at gmail.com. If you would like to support The Witch Daily Show and participate in some live shows and magical perks, head on over to patreon.com slash witchdailyshow. I hope you have a day filled with magic and inspiration. We will talk to you again tomorrow morning.